You're listening to Catholic Chicago on WNDZ 750 AM. During the next hour, the Archdiocese of Chicago brings you programs about the people, events, and issues that touch our lives. Welcome to Catholic Chicago. Good morning, everybody. It's so great to be here with you this morning. Um, we're taping the show. It's actually uh, Friday morning, the 12th of uh, February, and uh, this will appear um, after Valentine's Day. We did that especially for you. Monday's President's Day, so uh, we are going to tape this morning's program, and it's going to be a very interesting program, as always. we got a really nice uh, mixture of, of guests here this morning. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, ab- abolition of the death penalty. We'll talk, uh, then after that, uh, we'll make a transition to talk about, come back here to Illinois and talk with Anthony Holter, who's the director of Empower Illinois, talk about the scholarship tax credit program and what's going on with that. And then after that, we're going to talk to a downstate lawmaker. He is has an interesting bill. He's from Tutopolis, and he's going to talk about tax credits for uh, donations to crisis pregnancy centers, something I think that is a great idea. And then finally, we'll wrap up with the, uh, the, the, the what is it, the, uh, what's the fourth place hitter in baseball? I'm losing my train of thought. Um, oh, geez. <laughs> it really needs to be baseball season. So the uh, cleanup hitter, Gino Fernandez, who's going to talk about uh, uh, the uh, – uh, the gratitude fund that they uh, established here in the archdiocese to help out um, uh, teachers and and the employees of Catholic schools. So with that, maybe I should uh, just stop ad-libbing things and get right to the subject matter here. Uh, our first guest is uh, we're very privileged to have with us this morning, uh, Chrisanne Villanacourt Murphy. I hope I didn't uh, cut up her name too much. She is the executive director of the Catholic Mobilizing Network, and um, she's going to talk to us a little bit about um, some positive developments here on um, possibly abolishing the death penalty. Uh, Chrisanne, are you with us? I am. Good morning. Good morning. I hope you uh, your tongue is not as tied as much as mine this morning. I seem to be a hard time talking here. So maybe I'll just <laughs> let you, you, you do the talking and I'll ask the questions. How's that? That sounds good to me. Chrisanne, so um, I think, you know, uh, geez, I think the theme of our program here today is like uh, arrow pointing up on a, a lot of these topics. Um, so, you know, the death penalty has been around with us a long time, and, and I know the Catholic mobilizing network that you lead has been um, very involved with trying to abolish the death penalty. Uh, tell us a little bit about, uh, we have a new president, obviously President Biden, and I was surprised to read, and I shouldn't be, that he is the first president to publicly oppose abolition of the death penalty. Is that true? Yeah, that's that is true. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah, one of those things I thought, geez, really? Huh. Well, yeah. right. I mean, it, you know, it's, it's it can be confusing because we know that before this most recent execution spree at the federal level under the Trump administration, it had been 17 years since there had been any executions right. at the federal level. But in all of those cases, with all of those Republican and Democrat presidents before in those 17 years, you know, they didn't do anything. They simply didn't set federal execution dates, but they did never declared an official moratorium or anything. And so fast forward to our current President Biden, you know, he's he's openly and publicly stated that he's opposed to the death penalty. He sees it connected to racial violence and poverty and a broken criminal justice system. And um, and he would like to take steps to abolish it. So we're going to try to help him take those concrete steps uh, in in his presidency. Yeah, that's great. I I, I think that's admirable of him. I I wish he would tie it to a continuum of life. (laughs) That would be helpful, too. But Mm -hmm. yeah, Mm -hmm. I know he's a little weak on that, uh, on 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 those issues. But um, at least at this portion and maybe we can uh, we we will show him the path forward uh, about other aspects of his position on life issues. That would be that would be really great if this would that would lead to this. Um, That'd even be better. Um, tell yeah. us a little about um, – so I guess as I see it, there's sort of two paths here. Um, the president, uh, we're grateful that he's uh, opposed to the death penalty, and he has some powers he can do via his office uh, administratively. Yep. But I think you also have another path forward, which is 
kind of a, a sort of a grassroots movement and, and getting uh, hopefully people to sign petitions to urge for abolition of death penalty. Tell us about that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think you're right. There are two paths. I mean, right now we're just talking about a death penalty in the federal law, okay. right? So there's the path of working on and, you know, declaring a moratorium um, or doing any number of things that the president can do in his power. He can commute sentences of those who are on the federal death row. There's 50 some people there. Um, he can also not set any execution dates, which, of course, we expect of this president. Um, he can officially declare a moratorium, which says, you know, not on my watch will we have mm -hmm. any executions. And that's different from just passively not setting any. It's actually you have to declare officially and then put in writing and you make public statements about, um, you know, declaring an official moratorium, much mm -hmm. like was done in three states currently. We have uh, California and Oregon in Pennsylvania that are under governor imposed moratoriums. Yep. So, so there's that part of it. And then there's also kind of the the political will that the president can um, can you know put toward working with Congress and stating that it's a priority for him to see this move in Congress. And that's where we have some interesting movement happening right now as well. I mean, there has been some symbolic bills in the U.S. Congress in years past. They weren't moving anywhere. They had no legs as people in Washington stay, say. Um, but interestingly, and this is where it comes back to Illinois, um, Senator Dick Durbin joined Representative uh, Ayanna Presley from Massachusetts recently, and they went into a House and Senate combined bill that now, so in both, in both um, the, you know, Chambers. the House and the mm -hmm. Senate, there are, there are bills that are saying that they want to abolish the death penalty. And as you know, Senator Dick Durbin is the majority whip yep. now. So that's a pretty prominent position. And he, um, you know, he's putting in his hat in that rink um, pretty publicly as well. So we are, we're working on um, helping those bills get Republican sponsors. I know the, the you know, U.S. Bishops Conference is doing the same. So we're really trying to push that along in Congress as well. That That's great. Um, I, I, I I'd be interested to hear your your opinion on this. Um, my sense is that in the public writ large, and I say this more, I mean, Illinois, as you know, we did this. Uh, we, we did yeah. the route you just mentioned. We had a moratorium under Governor Ryan, um, who actually ran for governor, supportive of the death penalty. But when he got in his office, uh, he he had he granted one execution and, and just couldn't bring himself to do it again and kind of had this sort of epiphany, yeah. if you will, and it's very dramatic. And I think he was even up for a Nobel Peace Prize at one point in time. And uh, so anyway, you know, that's what we did. And then we abolished it legislatively. Um, I, I, so I'm, I'm in a state that that does not support the death penalty. Um, so maybe I'm a little biased, but my sense is nationally, I just saw Virginia, there was movement in Virginia to abolish the death penalty. And I think yeah. I think nationally, I think we're, the arrow, as I said, is pointing up for us in terms of our uh, advocacy efforts and the culture in general not supporting the death penalty. Am I overreading it or am I reading too much into that? No, I think you're absolutely reading the, the mm -hmm. signs of, of the times. I mean, that's where it, it, it was confusing to people to see it was the aberration of these 13 executions that we just saw at the federal level, right. again, under the Trump administration. They pushed it forward in seven months. It was an absolute, you know, train wreck. It was death and destruction on display. It was traumatic, yeah. frankly. Um, but that is an aberration. That has not happened in many, many years. And um, and so I think that we what we've seen in the states the, with the moratoriums, with the repeals of the death penalty in the last even 10 years. Mm -hmm. I mean, we're clearly moving in a direction toward abolition. So um, Virginia is hugely significant. I mean, we've been working in Virginia for many years doing education and advocacy and, you know, praying vigils, any number of kind of ways to raise up the profile of this issue. There's two people currently sitting on Virginia's death mm. row. Um, but finally, this legislative session, there were bills put forth in the in the state legislature and both in the House and Senate. They voted to repeal Governor Northam, mm -hmm. uh, the current governor of Virginia, has already said that he will sign those bills. So they're 
yeah. right this moment in the middle of reconciling. You know how they have to do that between yep. both houses. And they're reconciling those bills, and they will present it to the governor and sign it very soon. It's so that's now number 23 really? for states that have, yep, that have repealed the death penalty. And when you think about the fact that Virginia was the, the head of the Confederacy, it has so mm-hmm. many ties to lynching, to slavery, yeah. um, and the fact that they were next to Texas, you know, just prolific in executions. Um, so the fact that they've seen the light, they've moved in a positive direction, and this is the first state in the South to do so. So we're That's hoping right. that it continues mm-hmm. this domino uh, effect. What we see across the land, we hope, will move south and um, and really make that progress towards yeah. final abolition in this country. Yeah, I think we're getting there. So what can listeners do? Uh, I think I'd mentioned, I think you have a petition going on. What's the, what's the best yeah. way to, for people to do? Because, you know, like I said, we're in a state where— um, you know, there is no usage of the death penalty. What, what, what's the best thing for people to do here? Right. Well, I, I just want to commend your state. You've already mentioned it, you know, what Illinois did. It's something that we hope will happen to many other states. I hope it'll happen at the federal level. Um, you all are coming upon an important anniversary because your death penalty repeal bill was signed into law March 9th of 2011. So this is a 10-year anniversary for you all. Um, but that strong mobilized, persistent Catholic voice for an end to the death penalty is what we need to, you know, we keep, we need to keep moving across the country with this cacophony of voices. So right now, right before um, President Biden came into office, we had launched a petition saying to him, we're so glad that you're openly opposed to the death penalty, um, but we need you to take concrete steps. So anyone, <laughs> now do something. Across, the, anyone <laughs> yeah. across the country can can sign the petition urging him to declare a moratorium, to commute the federal death row, and then to use his political will and his energy to work with Congress to remove it from the federal statutes. And then, you know, potentially incentivize states to to follow suit. So there are things that he can do. So definitely signing our petition at catholicsmobilizing.org. The, the petition to President Biden is right on the homepage. But then, you know, for folks who I would imagine some listeners are, you know, people who are in the pews, uh, people who are, you know, involved in their church ministries, these are, these are ways that we can educate po- people, not just that we oppose the death penalty, right. but we want to seek something different. We want to live out our missionary discipleship um, in, in more healing and reconciling ways. So when there's harm, when there's violence, we can respond in a proactive, healing kind of way with restorative justice. Yep. So we have lots of education materials and you know, small group materials about what restorative justice is. Again, so we can live into our discipleship. Um, in the Pope's recent encyclical, he talks about Fratelli Tutti. He talks about restorative justice and healing harms and how we do that in a Catholic way. He also talks about not stepping back from this position that the Church has, that the death penalty is inadmissible. So people need to know what the Catechism says now. It's been revised in the last couple of years. We need to keep educating folks about how ending the death penalty is part of our pro-life teaching of the Church. And then we need to show others, especially folks in Illinois, need to say, hey, we've done it here. Mm-hmm. How about you folks in, say, Mississippi or Alabama? Um, you know, we need to encourage others to, to follow suit. I think that's great advice. Um, I should add that we have been involved here at the Catholic Conference on some legislative proposals focusing on restorative justice, not for the types of crimes that Chris Ann is talking about, but for lower level crimes. We're starting mm-hmm. there and trying to build up some confidence in the system. There's a, a kind of a famous program here that Father David Kelly runs um, oh, yeah. at Precious Blood, and so we're, we're focused on that, and so there, there's some good work going on here on that topic. And the other point I'd like to make, and I think you make an excellent point, too, is, you know, if, and I know this, this for some people these are, are controversial words, but, you know, there is a consistent ethic of life here, and if we can yeah. tie these two together as Catholics, we come across as our, our message is that we, we stand for life no matter what stage of development it is or, or what acts maybe some of us have committed, and I think that's, that's a nice unifying message, if you will, um, for all of us going forward. Um, and I think that way we, we, we all win, and, and we're fighting, we're arguing, we're evangelizing our points in a clear, concise message tied to the, as you can mention, tied to the catechism. Truly. 
We say here at Catholic Mobilizing that, that no matter the harm one has caused or suffered, yep. they deserve an opportunity for redemption. And that we can model that as Catholics, that we believe that to be true. So when it comes to division, when it comes to harm, when it comes to violence, how we respond says a lot about how we see the value of life and the sacred dignity of human persons. Chris, Chris so can, I, you give, can you give the Catholic Mobilizing Network uh, the how, to, how people can access the uh, petition one more time? Absolutely. CatholicsMobilizing.org. And it's right on the homepage. We have all sorts of the petition and then all sorts of resources for folks to get further involved. Great. Christian, thanks so much for joining us. Um, I'm glad you did the bulk of the talking so I didn't have to. Uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> so it worked out well on this cold. It's, it's really cold here. Maybe that's my problem. Christian, uh, Murphy. Have a good day. Thank you very much uh, for joining us, talking about the abolition of the death penalty. And we're going to take a quick break. Uh, we're going to come back with Anthony Holter. He's the executive director of Empower Illinois, uh, hopefully a name that many of our listeners are familiar with. He's going to talk to us about the scholarship tax credit. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Hey, it's Timothy Johnston here from Liturgy Training Publications. Over the past few months, I'm sure you've found yourself at home more, whether it's working from home or watching live stream masses on Sunday mornings. As we begin adjusting to this at the beginning of the pandemic, one of the things I missed the most was gathering with friends at the parish. That's why we at LTP have created this new virtual gathering series called Living the Sunday Word. We meet virtually on Thursday evenings each week and reflect on the upcoming Sunday readings. And with that, we share stories to help us more fully reflect on the Word of God. I'm inviting each of you to join us, a group of friends meeting virtually from all parts of the country. So visit ltp.org for more information and to register. You won't want to miss this. Do you have a gently used laptop or desktop computer that is gathering dust in your home? Consider donating to our Catholic Charities Veterans Computer Project. We will clean out your device, give it new software, and repurpose it for a veteran who is looking for employment. Your gift will make an incredible difference in a veteran's ability to find a job. Catholic Charities provides veteran services throughout Lake and suburban Cook Counties, giving participants an array of professional and personal support. Our veterans have served our country, 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 and it is our privilege to serve them. To learn more, to learn more about Catholic Charities Veterans Services and the Veterans Computer Project, call 847-782-4219. That's 847-782-4219. Welcome back, everybody. This is Bob Gilligan of the Catholic Conference of Illinois, and thank you for listening to our program here on this uh, President's Day uh, holiday, uh, which is uh, November. No, it's uh, February, February 15th. And uh, we are very uh, grateful to be joined here this morning. We're going to make a transition from our first topic to a uh, really exciting program that I know you've all heard about. I know you've all heard about Empower. Uh, and I think you've heard of even our guest, uh, Anthony Holter, is on the line with us. And we're going to talk a little bit about the scholarship tax credit program. This is a program that has been uh, very successful and continues to be successful. And we're granting a lot of scholarships to a lot of kids. Um, and I'll tell you, it's really great. It's getting out there in the Catholic culture. I was listening to uh, <laughs> Father Rocky last night uh, do the rosary on Relevant Radio, and he even made, had a petition for, for the scholarship tax credit and what's going on in Illinois. So we're really pleased to be joined this morning with, by Anthony Holter. He is the president of Empower. 
and going to talk to us a little bit about some exciting developments. Anthony, you with us? Bob, good morning. I am happy to be here. Thank you. Great. Um, so I want to talk a little bit about uh, more good news coming from Empower, more good news coming from the scholarship tax credit, and more work to be done. And I know you you recently Empower Illinois, which is the scholarship granting organization that the six Catholic dioceses are using to uh, uh, help uh, direct money towards the scholarship and disperse those funds. You guys put out an annual report recently with, with chock full of information. So maybe you want to kind of give us the highlights of that report. Be happy to, Bob. And, yeah. and this is our uh, this is our third year uh, of the report. And and um, for our listeners out there, uh, you know, who might be thinking, well, we're still in the middle of that uh, that school year. You're absolutely right. Uh, as a tax credit scholarship program, we kind of operate along uh, the calendar year and and uh, and for tax purposes. So our kind of 2020 report um, gets gets uh, all of that good data in there. And I think the top line takeaway, Bob, is is uh, uh, something that I've shared with you and with your listeners before. It's that there's incredible, incredible demand for these scholarships right. uh, in every single uh, city and region in the state. Um, and I, I would say, encouragingly, this past year, uh, when, as so many people were so uh, significantly and still are affected by the pandemic and the economic impacts that that has on their families, uh, there was more money raised. Uh, across all SGOs and certainly with us at Empower Illinois in 2020 than in the year before. That's incredible. So, yeah, that... When the need was highest, people stepped up and, and, uh, and really uh, dug deep to help these kids uh, get a great education. That's fantastic. That's great news um, because last year was a tough year for a lot of folks. But uh, it's I mean, that tells me that people understand the value of this program. And I think they're starting to see tangibly the benefit that students and their families are receiving. Absolutely, and that that to me is uh, is the is the most important part of of everything that we do here. Is that uh, at the end of the day, what this means uh, through the vehicle of a tax credit is that somewhere in the state of Illinois, uh, a, a mom, a dad, yep. a family who's trying to figure out the best school community for their kids to grow, to be loved, to become uh, the children of God that uh, God has them planned to be. Um, they have an opportunity through this scholarship to make that choice, knowing that finances don't have to be the barrier that prevents them uh, from doing so. And, and the more we can share those stories, uh, the more that they can uh, hit the airwaves and, and, and we can hear the impact that that's making, uh, all the better. And, and I think listeners need to know that um, the families that are receiving this are really those families that, that are in need um, but there's there's also it's it's not just people who are in poverty. We have expanded the eligibility limits a little bit, um, not expanded them, but they are such that, you know, lower in middle income families are eligible for this. Um, it's not as high as we would like, but uh, we, we really think that there is a lot of people who are receiving this who, you know, for example, you know, there's wage earners in the home. Um, and, and, you know, Anthony and I've heard stories of of. Uh, parents, um, you know, working two and three jobs in order to raise enough money to send their child to a, a, a Catholic or a non-public school. And I think Anthony were both at, a, at an event once when um, a man stood up and he said, you know, this is so great. Now I don't have to work three jobs. I don't have to work two. I mean, it's so those are the type of people that are benefiting from this program. That's absolutely right, Bob. And uh, that story, uh, as you were retelling it there, I got goosebumps. Again it is. It I was amazing. We were, yeah. we were in that gym. It was yep. packed full of people. Yep. And here you have this dad, uh, you know, who, who clearly is investing so much of his own time and en energy into bettering the lives of uh, his two daughters. Um, you know, uh, Bob, as, a, as an aside uh, to that conversation, I went up afterwards and, and thanked uh, the gentleman for sharing his story. And, and he apologized. And he said, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I couldn't say more. And I said, Sir, you, you've said you more said than a lot. That. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. absolutely. Yeah. There wasn't a dry eye in the place. It was, t it was yeah. very touching. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So tell us a little bit, because the demand is, is what is the, do we know the number of applicants waiting? I mean, there's a lot of people that would, would, would want this program. Yeah, no, absolutely. So, so last year, uh, we had about 30,000 kids in line for a scholarship. Wow. And we were able to award about 5,500 scholarships. So there's for every one uh, child who receives a scholarship, there's six more in line with their hand raised uh, saying, I, I want this option. I, I'd like to six. do something different. One out of six. Uh, the, the trend is uh, is on point as well this year. So we've got over 
24,000 students in line right now, mm-hmm. and that will continue to grow uh, throughout the year. We, we have uh, at Empower Illinois, our application is open all year long. Uh, so families, uh, kind of regardless of when they hear about it, can go to our website, empowerillinois.org, and apply and, uh, you know, to the school of their choice. Um, so that number is going to continue to grow, uh, we believe, in terms of demand and in our job uh, with, with everyone, uh, the schools especially, to help raise as much money as we possibly can to get as many kids and off that Let's list talk about raising money because the more money that's raised, um, and, and, and by the way, folks, you know, what we, we kind of glossing over is when you do donate to this program, there's a 75% credit on your state income tax obligation um, when you give to this program. So we're, we really want to um, make sure people understand that and talk to their accountants or whatever. And, and I, Anthony, I think we need to talk now about um, we have 24,000 children in line. We've granted scholarships of about 5,500, so one out of six get it. Let's get that number up to two and six or three and six. How, right. how, do, how do people go donating to this, and what's the best way to do it? And, and I know it's a little complicated, but, but, but have some perseverance and have some <laughs> persistency and, and tell us how to do it. Your yeah, website. Is very good and walks people through it. It's very thank you, good. Bob. Yeah, thank you very much. So um, I would say that is the best place to start is uh, empowerillinois.org. And if you click right at the very top there, it'll say donate, and that'll walk you through the process. Uh, if, you, if you're a first time donor, there's one extra step you have to take with the Department of Revenue. Um, but uh, I, I promise you, uh, everyone uh, who's done it has said it took me a little bit, uh, but I'm glad that I did. And yeah. on, on the other end, uh, of, of some of those um, those steps is a uh, 75% credit, as you mentioned. Uh, so it's different than a de- uh, deduction. It's a straight-up credit right. off of your income tax. Um, and I would, I would also say, uh, so we have, here at Empower Illinois have built out uh, our own uh, customer success team uh, over the past year. It's uh, eight individuals. They're all uh, just phenomenal with folks dedicated to working specifically with donors. So if anybody has a question, you can email, you can call, or we have a new chat feature on our website as well. Oh, great. And, and they'll, they'll answer all your questions uh, from anything from what is a CAC or what do I, what form do I need here uh, to walking you through the entire process. Um, so we want to make it as easy as possible. Uh, it's not quite as easy as, um, you know, going to a school gala, enjoying a glass of wine and right. raising a paddle. <laughs> right. Not yet anyway. Right. But uh, we're working but, on that. But right. we're working on it. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And, and if it helps anybody, as somebody who's going to file their taxes on the 19th of February, I already did mine. I'm waiting for one more statement before I can file. It's really a nice feeling this time of the year when I gave a couple, not enough, but I did make a donation to uh, Empower. And so now I get to see or I get my uh, the benefits of my, my check that I wrote last year. So it is a good time of the year. For, so if you're wondering whether to do it or not, just think this time of year from now, you'll have that nice feeling when you file your taxes that, oh, geez, now I, now I get to see this. So there's an yeah. incentive both ways. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and this is a great time of year, too, for folks um, who have donated in the past. And now you start seeing. Oh, wow. Uh, that credit work. Yeah. Uh, my tax liability is lower. Maybe yep. I'm getting a refund from the state. That's me. Uh, this right. great, <laughs> it's a great opportunity, Bob, for you and others, uh, right. myself included, uh, to just roll over that uh, right. refund or part of it into a new tax credit scholarship donation. Yep. So it's this kind of virtuous cycle uh, that can continue to uh, support kids and families. Um, uh, like we said, 24,000 of them in line right now uh, looking for an opportunity to attend, to attend their, uh, their best So you know what school. we should do is we should we should schedule this interview um, here on out for the next six years, and then we're at one and six, and maybe next year we'll be at two and six, then then in two years now we'll be at three and six. So every year we can move that <laughs> number up till we get to six out of six, and we get every kid that's eligible a full scholarship. That would be really great, and uh, and but, the, and the, and the betterment of society will be will be tangible. Absolutely, Bob. I love uh, what you're proposing here. You and your radio show are going to be my accountability partner. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Every year you'd be like, hey, uh, excuse me, Anthony, where are we Where's, this year? That's yeah. right. There's our <laughs> metrics. Yeah, it reminds me of a private. Okay. All right, Perfect. Anthony, thanks so much for taking some time. Uh, please go to uh, empowerillinois.org, uh, the website, they'll walk you through how to donate. And so let's get those contributions flowing in. Anthony, thanks so much for taking some time this morning. Bob, thank you. God bless. All right. God bless you, too. Don't go away, everybody. We'll be right back. We're going to talk to a state rep. His name is Adam Niemer. I don't know him yet. He's from Tutopolis. He's got a really good bill. Uh, He'll tell you all about it. Don't go away. We'll be right back.
I encourage everyone, in fact, when your time comes and you are uh, invited to get vaccinated to do so. It's not only for your health, but as the Holy Father has said, it's for the common good, the health of all, uh, that we have a moral obligation to make sure that we stamp out this pandemic. So my hope is that we all will uh, pull together uh, in this time uh, in which our country and the world is suffering. Uh, I'm encouraged too to learn that on this day in which I get my second uh, round of vaccination, that uh, uh, the Holy Father uh, got his first uh, round. And so uh, he is setting an example for uh, the world and for the universal church. Again, I am so grateful to everyone here at St. Anthony's and I encourage everyone to get vaccinated. Catholic Charities After Supper Visions program offers guests of our Tuesday night supper the opportunity to learn the art of photography. These talented guests who are often experiencing homelessness are offered disposable digital cameras and they work with volunteer professional photographers to learn the basics of taking photos. Then the artists go out and capture images on film of anything they find to be beautiful or interesting in the world. Their photos are amazing. Visit AfterSupperVisions.com to learn more about the artists and their artwork. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn, too. At After Supper Visions, we are developing film, talent, and hope. You're listening to Catholic Chicago on WNDZ 750 AM. Every Monday through Friday from 8 AM to 9 AM, the Archdiocese of Chicago presents programming about the people, events, and issues that touch our lives. Thanks for letting us be part of your morning. Now again, Catholic Chicago. Welcome back, everybody. This is Bob Gilligan of the Catholic Conference of Illinois, and thanks for listening to our program here this morning on this cold morning. I'm sure it'll be cold on Friday. It's uh, Monday. It's cold on Friday, so I'm sure it's going to be cold for the next couple weeks. Uh, oh, well, <laughs> keep snowing. Uh, let's make a transition now to our guest who has a very, uh, very good bill. Uh, his name is Representative Aaron Nyberg. Is that pronounced? Am I pronouncing it correctly, Representative? Well, it's uh, Adam Niemerg, actually. Niemerg. Oh, that's, that's close. All right, yep. yeah. Adam well, yes, Yeah, it's, it's cold. I, I, I'm having a hard time talking this morning. So uh, we have unfortunately not had the pleasure of meeting yet. I think you were newly elected, correct? Yes, sir. Congratulations. I uh, am a representative down in southeast Illinois. Yes. So uh, this is kind of a Chicago-centric crowd, as, as I'm sure you've never experienced that before in your career, right? Um, that uh, So tell us, uh, first of all, before I talk about the bill, tell us a little bit about where you're from. You're from Tutopolis, correct? And where is Tutopolis on a map? I know, but many people listening may not. Absolutely. That is uh, southeast Illinois. If folks know where Effingham is, it's the it's the town with the big cross. Yep. And uh, I'm just just east of there in a small little bedroom community of Totopolis. It's about uh, an hour uh, and 20 minutes south of Champaign. It's the wood, the wooden shoes, correct? You're the, that's the, yes, that's, sir, that uh, is correct. See, I know my high school basketball, Totopolis has got a tough team. They usually did. Um, Representative, we haven't yet met, but I'm sure we will at some point in time in this crazy world we live in. So you have a very interesting bill that caught our attention. Um, I should add, just in terms of disclosure, I'm on a board of a crisis pregnancy center up here in Chicagoland, so uh, I know the good work they do. And so tell us a little bit about the bill you put forward. It's called House Bill 697. Um, it has to do with crisis pregnancy centers. Yes, sir. Very happy to discuss this bill. So uh, when I ran for office, uh, first and foremost, I'm pro-life. That's number one issue for me. Uh, and as a Catholic, it always has been a number one issue for me. Uh, so assuming uh, the seat in the 109th District and the General Assembly ready to serve, uh, that's what I put first and foremost is my pro-life agenda. So when I was thinking about what I could do and how I could help in the pro-life front, um, this, uh, this idea came to fruition, and it is a bill where if you donate to a pregnancy resource center, you can have a tax credit on your taxes, up to 50% of your contribution level. So let's say you contribute $10,000 uh, to these particular centers, 
you can have a tax credit when you file your taxes and get $5,000 back. So it's a wonderful bill. I am very excited about it, and I really hope it helps. Well, oh, I, I know it will help, and, and fundraising for uh, pregnancy resource centers is vital because I think, I'm, I'm sure it's the case in your area, they don't take state money. I mean, I don't, there might be some in Illinois that do, but I don't know of any, and so everything they do is raised privately through donations and philanthropy and, and p- good people willing to write checks. That is absolutely correct, and it's a situation where even the pro-choice uh, legislators should sign on to this bill because... Uh, if you are pro-choice, you believe in the right to choose. Obviously, I am very pro-life. Again, that's first and foremost. But if a particular individual decides to choose life, uh, that's a choice that they have made. So pro-choice legislators should sign on to this bill because they should help support those women who decide to choose that for themselves. So it's very important that this bill passes. Uh, and, again, I am pro-life first and foremost. Uh, but this, this helps uh, women when it comes to getting uh, uh, their uh, their babies to full term, so that's that's just very important to help these particular organizations. I don't know um, if you're if you're um, intimately familiar with any crisis uh, pregnancy resource centers in the Tutopolis area, but the ones I'm familiar with up here, um, this is where on the front lines, um, these pe- the people who work and volunteer at pregnancy resource centers. Are, are kind of living angels among us. They are there to talk with women who are pregnant, who are worried. They may feel they're alone. Um, they provide resources to them. Um, you know, sometimes it can be some simple things um, after the baby's born. Sometimes they, you know, d- deliver, give diapers, what need you. And, and some of these places are just amazing. They provide places uh, for women to live after they have the child. They provide counseling. They provide daycare. They provide assistance with insurance. It's incredible what these in, what these pregnancy resources centers have, have done uh, to help you know women and their babies and and you know it, it's a form of social services that uh, I think is kind of unheralded at least up here and I'm sure it's like that down there. Absolutely, they, you you made a great point saying they're angels. I had a discussion with uh, uh, the operator of the one in Effingham County uh, and just having a discussion on trying to get car seats. Right. Uh, there's a car seat shortage right now, and running into that issue uh, and helping with diapers, with uh, just the very, the very smallest things uh, that our expecting mothers uh, need to have to choose life, so they have that avenue, they have that uh, that option uh, to be able to choose life. It's so vitally important, and you you just nailed it with the, the services, even as minute as having a conversation or, or handing uh, handing a, an expecting mother uh, some diapers or. Even the smallest things that we don't think of, uh, just a car seat or um, anything that they can, they need just to get by day to day. It's it's so important as, as pro-life individuals to say, okay, not only are we pro-life, but we're going to follow up on our commitment, and we will help you through this process. Do you understand why? Uh, and, and I don't know if it's just uh, willful um, or it's it's not, but. It seems to me that some of the uh, political opponents on the life issue, that they will say, you will often hear this, you just, you, you just, you don't care about uh, the woman after the baby's born. You just want to make her deliver this child and it's not wanted, et cetera. And, and do you understand, have you ever given some thought to is like, how, how come when we mention pregnancy resource centers, that's just not a viable answer to them? And, and I, you kind of get this blank look. And, and I've had this conversation with many people, and I just don't seem to get any traction. And I don't know why, because you said it best at the beginning. This is something that everybody could support, uh, whether you're pro-choice, pro-life, whatever. Aren't you really trying to just help people in need? I, I don't understand why they object to this. Yes, I don't either, and it's really disheartening because it's a, it's, it really should be an issue where we can come together and help expecting mothers that choose life. So if somebody is pro-choice, if these legislators are pro-choice legislators are so pro-choice, then why wouldn't they support the right of an expecting mother to choose life? And that's what it comes down to the choice of life, and that's what we're all for as pro-life people. But, yes, it's very, very, very frustrating uh, when you have a conversation with, a, with somebody and they say, well, we're pro-choice. But then you say, well, okay, let's help, uh, let's help expecting mothers that choose life. Well, we can't do that. That's, that's out of the purview of, uh, 
of, of what we see and what, what yeah. we want to stand for. And it's a direct contra- contradiction, and it's massively hypocritical. Representative, you mentioned that you're pro-life, and this is something that really animates you, and, and we're very glad to hear that, and I think you had indicated that, that you are Catholic as well. Um, is there any particular experience with a, with a pregnancy resource center that led you to do this, or is this just something that's always kind of been in your mind as you were making the rounds running? It's something that's been on my mind. It sounds I was like making it. my uh, yeah. Make, so, you know, I've been around to other pregnancy resource centers, and I've talked to a lot of expecting mothers, uh, and I've also had conversations with other uh, non-for-profits that, that work with expecting mothers and, and do this all throughout the district. So, you know, it, it just kind of, it's something that I was thinking about, something that sure. just kind of uh, came to be where what, what can we do? How can we interject an incentive uh, to, to get more folks to donate to these organizations to help expecting mothers because at the end of the day, yes, we're, we're pro-life, but we need to follow up on that commitment and we need to give, uh, give, give expecting mothers the, uh, the, the help they need uh, with those with those children. Yeah, we, the the particular uh, pregnancy resource center that I'm a part of up here in Chicagoland, um, it's been a tough year, uh, you know, with the with the COVID and the coronavirus and quarantines, and we we also have a, a ma- two maternity homes, and that's created a lot of challenges for us. Uh, fortunately, this year um, we had a very good year uh, raising funds, um, but you know, every year is. The I think what what I the point I want to make is that I can assure you that donations to a pregnancy resource center are used extremely efficiently and effectively. To say these things run on a shoestring is a large exaggeration. It's amazing what they can do and stretch money and resources in the community with just a small small uh, donations that they get. Yes, absolutely. I've I've seen that firsthand. Just firsthand that. And the volunteers that do this, they yep. uh, they go in and they just give their hearts and their souls to these causes. They're there to help. They're giving their time. Most uh, often they're giving their money as well. So the stretching of that dollar, I have seen it firsthand, and I can vouch for that. They've done an excellent job. Representative, it's House Bill uh, 697. It just got introduced. It, it hasn't been assigned to a committee yet, I take it. Um, that's probably down the right of it. This is just – we've been really running slow on bill introductions this year. Um, I, it hasn't been assigned to a committee yet, has it? No, it has not. But interestingly enough, House rules uh, were, were passed this Wednesday. Now, I voted no on the House rules. There's not much change. No. Uh, but uh, there should be uh, – every bill assigned in this General Assembly should be assigned – to a substantive committee and get out of rules. But that being said, it can still languish uh, in committee. But I'll be lobbying uh, for this bill very, very hard. Um, due to the, the shortness of the legislative season, um, we've been asked to kind of prioritize our, our bills. And I have a vast array of bills, many pro-life sure. bills. Uh, but this will be one that I will be focusing on in trying to garner bipartisan support to make sure that this passes. God bless you. We'll be with you. We'll help you. Uh, this definitely needs to happen, and um, hopefully we'll get a hearing or at least get it started. And sometimes these things take more than one year, but, uh, hey, we're in for the long haul, right? Absolutely. Thank you very much for having me on this morning. Thank you so much, Representative uh, Representative Anna, a- Adam Nieberg from Tutopolis. Uh, we're going to take a break here. Uh, don't go away. We're going to finish up our show here with our cleanup hitter. That's what I mentioned earlier. Uh, Gino Fernandez, he is the president of the Archdiocese of Chicago School Board. He's going to be talking to us about a lot of things, one of them being the Gratitude Fund. Don't go away. We'll be right back. is exactly what its name implies. It's an easy-to-understand explanation of the Word of God, the Gospel. Hello, I'm Father James McElhone, Director of Biblical Formation for the Archdiocese of Chicago. I'd like to invite you to take our free online Bible study program by going to thewordmadeclear.org. Our website offers an audio-based guide to the Gospels of Mark, Matthew, Luke, and John. Listen to my lectures and follow along with the handouts provided. There are even discussion guides. You can also explore the biblical roots of the Mass. 
And there are links to a wide variety of biblical sources that will benefit both teachers and students of the sacred scriptures. Just go to wordmadeclear.org to experience our free online Bible study program. Again, it's free at wordmadeclear.org. It's the Word of God. Enjoy. There is so much waiting for you at Catholic Charities Senior Services. We offer programs and services to help make the most of every day. Friendships and fun are guaranteed at our drop-in senior centers. Our adult daycare centers offer enjoyment and greater supervision to seniors who need it while their caregivers get a break. Holy Family Villa provides a beautiful, safe environment for seniors looking for short or long-term residential facility. And we offer assistance with senior benefits, care coordination, congregate and home-delivered meals, hospital transition, and much more. For more than 100 years, we have accompanied seniors through every transition in their lives, and we are here for you now. Catholic Charities is a name and an agency you can trust. Call Senior Services today at 312-655-7700. That's Welcome back to our program, everybody. Uh, it is, uh, let's see, President's Day. Uh, we're taping this on Friday, the 12th, and so uh, the airing of the program today. So our next guest is going to be Gino Fernandez, as I mentioned. He's our cleanup hitter, but unfortunately, he's still in the in the batter's box somewhere. Uh, we're having some problems uh, contacting him, but we're in search of doing that now. It, I'll tell you what, what some of the topics we were going to talk about with Mr. Fernandez when he gets on the line is— um, there has been some really good news um, in the Catholic school community right now. Um, quite frankly, I think for a year that's been so difficult with the COVID situation and coronavirus and all we've been through, um, I, I really think when we look back on the year 2020, 2021, uh, in terms of the history of Catholic schools, this year is going to be an exemplary uh, year in terms of the example that the Catholic school leadership, uh, the teachers, uh, the people who work in the Catholic schools have demonstrated, and it's just been amazing that they've been able to continue on educating. They've done it safely. Uh, they've had challenges. They've overcome those challenges. And I think one of the things that we wanted to talk about with Mr. Fernandez was that um, in trying to thank those employees for that, we, we've created is what's called the uh, Gratitude Fund. And on the line now with us, after that great introduction, is Gino Fernandez. Gino, are you with us? I am. I didn't hear the great introduction, but I'm, I'm happy to hear it when I when the program airs. Well, you're the cleanup hitter, so you better come through. Okay. <laughs> so I was just saying, uh, you know, we have a lot of good new things to talk about. It, you know, it's Catholic Schools Week. Uh, we have the Gratitude Fund. 
We have good test results from the iReady. We have the application for the scholarship tax credit going on. You know, it's been a rough year, but I think we've, you know, to use the saying, we've made lemonade out of lemons. So tell us a little bit about the Gratitude Fund and what went on there and, and, and what led to that. Well, Bob, the School Gratitude Fund was born of sort of uh, the Cardinal and I um, looking at this unique year, as you called it, um, and seeing who the really heroic workers, yeah. you know, at the front lines were. And there are teachers and the staff at our Catholic schools that day in and day out educate the 45,000 kids in the Archdiocese of Chicago. And because our teachers and school staff have made such an extraordinary effort this year from the quick pivot to remote learning to the in-person reopening plan in the fall, we felt they deserved not only our appreciation, which we always give them, but some you know, remuneration. So um, shortly after Thanksgiving, um, we began you know, a campaign uh, in Chicagoland uh, to help our teachers, help our principals, help our janitors and the frontline staff at our schools. And we were able to raise more than $1.4 million from the generosity of parents, uh, of corporations, of, uh, you know, of the members of the Archdiocesan School Board uh, in order to reward our teachers. And and I think that that is just great, and I'm sure we all feel the same way. That's just a token of our appreciation, and we know the reasons why Catholic school teachers, employees, the maintenance staff, the leadership, everybody does this. is It's mission-driven. I mean, it's really, we're here because of our, our faith, because we care about uh, educating young children to be the best people they can possibly be. And it's mission-driven. But, you know, even with the dedication that they've, that they've uh, demonstrated, it's still good just to say thanks in, in, in a way that's tangible. And I'm sure, uh, you know, there's, there's really no financial remuneration we could do that would be appropriate for some of the sacrifices these people have made. It's, it's been an incredible journey with them. That, that, that's very right, Bob. I mean, I, I have met a lot of our frontline yeah. teachers and, um, and principals, and they are in it because of the mission of Catholic education. They are in it for the kids themselves to educate uh, them in faithful citizenship um, with great academic standards, but with a faith-filled, you know, moral environment. That's why our parents choose Catholic schools. I think that's why our teachers, um, you know, our heroic teachers uh, feel fulfilled. Many of them told me that that is why they choose to educate in the Catholic school system. Yeah, it's funny. You know, you were mentioning the pivot that we did last year from uh, from in-person to remote. I had actually kind of forgotten about that. <laughs> it's yeah. funny. It seems like 10 years ago now. So it just tells you what we've been through. And I was saying in the lead-in, I said, you know, I think someday in the future, we look back on this year, we're going to say, you know, that was really an amazing, what they did was really incredible. I, I, I think sometimes we forget that because we're in the moment still. But I think we're going to look back on this, and, and thanks to your leadership and many others, I, I think it's going to be one of those moments where we're going to say, geez, that was really remarkable. Um, so the Gratitude Fund is out there, and, 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 and that's kind of underway. And I think we also want to talk about, you know, we, we're kind of touching on just the, the overall, I think the arrow is pointing up for Catholic education and Catholic schools. I, I know our enrollment's down a little bit because of the preschool situation, but I think we're going to rebound real strong from that in 2021. And, and I think part of that rebound is going to be the good work that's been going on with the scholarship tax credit and all the things that's been going on with that. I mean, we have, what, 5,000 kids that now get, getting scholarship tax credits throughout the state. Uh, I don't know what the specific numbers in the arch, but the donations, um, Anthony Holter was just indicating, were up from 2020, from, from last year. So I, f I feel good about where it, we are, but we have a long way actually, to go. It's actually 15,000 kids to attend Total. over 400 private schools statewide. But 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 the first question that you should ask yourself is why you know why before we get to the tax credit why this choice for um, uh, Catholic education or private education um, is so appealing to many of our families and, and if you just read the Tribune yesterday I don't know if you got a chance to read the article they reported on the outstanding learning gains yep. that have been achieved by our students right um, and when and you mentioned the pivot to remote learning. A lot of people said that that pivot was going to disproportionately affect the most vulnerable in our communities. Uh, and in fact, it did. Nationally, you know, the numbers for in the iReady test were 67 percent uh, in learning growth in math and 87 percent in reading. That's nationally. Our schools, our kids in the Archdiocese of Chicago experienced 105 <laughs> percent of expected learning growth in math and 130 percent in reading. 
And um, that and that was because of the great pivot our teachers did to remote learning and the fact that we opened up our schools in you know in the fall. So all those reasons are reasons I think parents want to choose Catholic education. And and the sad part is, Bob, there are many parents you know who who. You, who need help, who need to, yeah. who's got to, there's an affordability issue. And that's where the Illinois Tax Credit Scholarship Program comes in. Uh, you know, as you said, there's, there's a huge number of underprivileged kids who are able to attend high-quality education. And now is the time. A donor who before could give only $1 can give $4 now. Um, and, you know, receive the rest of this tax credit and designating that to the school of their choice. I, I really do encourage people to go through the process. It's a little complicated, right? You go to mytax.illinois.gov, you, you apply for the tax credit, then you designate it with organizations like Empower Illinois. Um, and then you educate the students that they need. We need everyone to do this, Bob, because this is the way we can actually help more people take advantage of the great benefits of Catholic education. Absolutely. And and I was saying earlier, and I'll say it again, Empower has some excellent videos, and they have now, uh, you know, if you go on their website, empower.org, they can walk you through. There's a little chat feature. Um, they have people standing by. So I think you would indicate it can be a little intimidating, but it doesn't have to be overwhelming. It can be done. Empower has some excellent opportunities. And to your point, you know, that, you know, think about that. And and by the way, I'm filing my taxes like the next couple of days. So I'm really happy because now I'm seeing the fruits of my tax credit that I gave. Uh, I see that 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 check coming in. Uh, they're, they're, I'm going to get a rebate from the state this year because I, I, I donated. And, you know, you get 75 percent credit on your state taxes and that you know that helps people um you know i'm not i'm not extra wealthy by any sense but you know i'm like an average donor you don't have to give don't feel like you have to give you know thousands and thousands of dollars i mean if you can do it but you know what the median donation is like a thousand dollars so you know anybody can give to this it doesn't have to be just the uber wealthy it can be you know middle class people with a couple extra bucks and maybe you don't need that stimulus check or maybe you need a portion of it take some of that and donate it to this very worthy cause and not just donate, but I think many of some of your listeners may be parents who have actually taken advantage of the uh, tax, you know, the Empower Illinois and the tax credit scholarship and received the scholarship. Right? Mm -hmm. It's so important um, in this environment for those parents to reach out to your local legislators right. to tell them how you've been Absolutely. helped, right? right? To tell them how you've been helped by this program. Because, you know, a lot of stuff, you know, gets debated uh, in Springfield and other and other places about, and the budget is a hard question. Mm -hmm. But we need this program to continue and not sunset. And the best way to do that is for all of us who have actually seen the good work that this has done for our most um, vulnerable populations to go and talk to your legislator about why this program needs to continue. Absolutely. And Catholic Conference of Illinois, as well as Empower, um, Agudith Israel, all of those organizations, Big Shoulders, um, are all going to be involved in advocacy in terms of making sure lawmakers know the good work it's done. But our best advocates are people listening to this, people who have benefited from the program or given to the program. Uh, need to ha make their voices heard because that's the way this program will continue. And uh, we'll continue uh, talking about it and advocating for it in the years ahead. And uh, hopefully we'll have a reauthorization here next year. But I think you're going to hear a lot about that in the next couple of years. So a lot of, like I said, a lot of good stuff going on with Catholic education. Um, a lot of people involved doing really yeoman's work. It's really gratifying to see. And like I said, I, I think the arrow is pointing up for Catholic education writ large. And I'm very optimistic about the future. Gino, thanks for taking some time to join us this morning. Uh, looks like they are uh, got to run. And so thanks for uh, taking some time this morning, as well as to our other guests. Uh, we had uh, Chris Ann Murphy on, um, Anthony Holter, uh, Gino Fernandez we just talked to, and Representative Adam Nieberg. Thanks for listening, everybody. This is Bob Gilligan of the Catholic Conference. We'll be back on the third Monday in the month of March. Wow. That sounds like it could be actually above five degrees in March. Thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, Got to run. Have a good day. Good week. Uh, God bless. And uh, looking forward to talking again soon.